Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, I hope you don't mind me sharing this with our listeners. You needed to make a quick change of shirts there, didn't you? So, I am not afraid of color. Uh, I am not a man who is uh, in a gang, so I feel generally like I can wear whatever color I want, but I was wearing a shirt that was very uh, maize and blue, and I just didn't want to deal with it this week. Like, people are on Five Alarm Fire agitated, and so I put on my most boring pullover so that uh, we'd all be okay. So that's, yeah, I, I had a wardrobe change before we got on air today. And what I find funny is you're putting on your most boring pullover, which looks a lot like mine. I consider this my most exciting pullover. So anyway, (laughs) let's move on, T. Frank. It's a big week. Obviously, as you alluded to the Michigan colors, it is Michigan week. And I tell you what I'd like to do. We're in the middle of the week. So this is the transition point. We could finish up our look back at Penn State, Maryland, and Mm -hmm. do that with an eye towards this coming week against Michigan. I think most of us could agree this was the most impressive that the Penn State offense has looked. They went on the road. They exercised a lot of demons. We saw Drew Aller play well. We saw the team play well on the road. A lot of great things we saw. And... The theme of most of my questions is going to be, what did we see in those games that can translate to this coming week against Michigan? Let's start with Drew Aller. This was a guy who was, I think, completing about 40% of his passes on the road. We saw a much different version of him against Maryland. What was different? Why was there so much more success from Drew Aller? It's always a couple of different factors, but there very much is a thing of in this game, he was confident. Uh, And you could see it in his body language. You could see it in his feet. You could see in the way he was processing the game. So there was there's strong evidence that this was a different Drew Aller than the guy we saw against Indiana in a similar situation. So Indiana ran cover zero. Indiana ran uh, uh, some coverages that gave Penn State the opportunity to throw one-on-one balls into open windows where they're not playing tight zones where he's got to make quick decisions and throw into, you know, windows where there might be conflict. Um, So it was a similar game plan from what we saw uh, one week to the next, and he was able to execute at a higher level, as you said, on the road as well. So I do think that there was something different there, but it does come back to the game plan. They weren't, uh, for the most part, they were not playing soft coverages and, and making Penn State dink and dunk down the field. Now, they did do that. Eventually, Penn State broke the defense to where they had to play some soft zones, and then Drew Aller was able to switch it up and go back to what he was doing to begin the season, which is taking the underneath stuff, taking the easy access throws. And at that point, Penn State in that game was pretty much unguardable. Like, they found the way to make the defense not right in any situation. Again, general statement there for the most part that's how that that game uh went for the Nittany Lions especially as James Franklin said when they were on schedule so Penn State got out to a fast start which they haven't done before and this again goes back to Drew Aller seeing the field being poised in the moment and knowing where all of his options were he knew where all of his options were from the start of the game 
to the end of the game. And that is a massive shift for Penn State. In him unlocking the things you and I have talked about here, where he's it's clear by the way he processes in his eyes that he knows what he's looking at. He just had not been pulling the trigger consistently. In this game, he, he pulled the trigger. Okay, real quick for those who don't understand, the quick what is cover zero mean? Yeah, so cover zero is a blitz and or, you know, you use it in the red zone, different areas to create a problem for the offense with overloaded run and uh, pass pressures. There's no deep safety, so everything is one-on-one with no help across the board for the coverage unit. All right, let's move on. Talking about the passing game, continue. The other part of that that stood out was Dante Cephas. This was the first real appearance of him where he made a difference in the game. A couple of really special uh, catches for touchdowns, T. Frank. Is that for real that Dante Cephas is a weapon that can be used on the other side of Keandre Lambert-Smith? Now that is a question that I, you know, I think Drew Aller and the mentality shift, that is something that looks so rock solid. I would say that that does translate to this game. Big game pressure, who knows? You know, like that is something I'll say. I I don't know for sure. But with Dante Cephas, that was very much, I don't want to say it was exclusively matchup dependent because he looked confident. And just the, the, Jim, the thing that I find amazing is that these are the same players. And the difference is the confidence with which they play, which means they're playing fast. They're not thinking, they're not guessing. They're going out and executing their assignment. So Dante Cephas put in this situation, he knew his assignment, and he executed it. We've seen him do the exact opposite. One week ago, he ran the wrong route in a situation that was a bad, that was, that was a bad moment for him, um, and then suddenly a different player is on the football field. It is partly matchup dependent where if you're going to play cover zero and you're going to or cover one or some function of that to allow him um, the freedom to use his athletic skills at the line of scrimmage to get the ball down the field and to, to get a step on a defensive back. That is that is matchup dependent. Michigan's not going to do that a whole lot. They do play aggressive in third down. They do play some cover zero stuff. They do play some man covered things. There might be the opportunity, but it will not be so prevalent. Um, And then some of his other catches came in the off coverage stuff where he caught the ball, lowered his shoulder and got a first down. So I I would like to say for the sake of entertainment that this is going to be a good game and he is going to be that guy. Um, But I don't know that one. I'm less confident in. There is less evidence of that transition being a thing. We have seen him really not know what he's supposed to be doing and then be totally locked in. Sometimes that is just the, the switch is flipped, as you say, uh, and, and he's ready to go now. But uh, we'll know in the first quarter, I think, whether or not that's the case. Well, what's nice, our new colleague over the last several weeks, Landon Tangwall, we always have the thing, we've not seen these players in pla- practice. He has. Yeah. And for those watching on YouTube channel, download our app, Keystone Sports. You could get all our shows, including those with Landon. And I asked him about Dante Cephas, and he said, this doesn't surprise him. They've seen a lot of this in practice, that it was just a matter of things coming together for him. That's also very encouraging. The other part to this is, and tying it back to Drew Aller, those passes, especially that first one in the end zone, where Cephas makes that tremendous one-handed catch that they had to review it to give him credit Mm -hmm. for it, would Drew Aller have even thrown that pass earlier in the season? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I let's let I don't want to go too far the other way. That is a one on one where there's very little room for Drew put that ball out of bounds essentially. So he's throwing it to a spot where either Cephas is going to catch it or nobody's going to catch it, and Cephas barely caught it. So that is an example of a pass that Drew Aller would have thrown and given his guy an opportunity to uh, to, to make the play. The touchdown to uh, Tyler Warren, which I broke down. You can check it out on my on my uh, formerly Twitter uh, account. That is one where he would not have thrown the ball. And I showed you evidence of literally the week before where he didn't throw the ball in a similar situation. So um, some of these throws are things. I don't know that he would have thrown it with the confidence that he did. You know, that might have been like, I'm going to put too much air under it. I'm going to put it too far out of bounds. Like he just went out there and threw it. I think that might be a difference. But that play, um, <laughs> I think that goes again to show you what Dante Cephas to, to Landon's point is all of these things you could see in practice. You could see on film at Kent State. It's the reason everyone was excited about Dante Cephas being on this team is because he's got a tremendous athletic skill from a separation, agility, route running standpoint to create great catches. And he's got decent hands. I think he showed uh, in that game that he can make some tremendous catches. So that's all the things that are on display because the confidence part of go out and do it locked in for him for whatever reason this week. Okay, let's now talk about the play calling in this game. It Everything felt different, but was it different as far as play calling trends that you saw? Leave the Bo Prabola package out, T. Frank, for mm-hmm. the time being. But was there a difference in how Mike Yersich called this game, or was it just a difference in how the players executed? It's mostly a difference in how the players execute it. Each week, they have certain wrinkles that they bring into the game, in the run game specifically. A couple of things in the passing game, um, and I apologize, off the top of my mind, I can't remember each one of them. The one that sticks out to me is some of the the wrinkles they used in the running game early on that got Katron Allen outside. They played against a tendency and, and a literal play call that they had against Ohio State. They did the opposite of what they did previously which makes me think that they had that in the game plan. They just didn't get to the situation where they could run that against Ohio State. So these are always the situations we don't know of what's in the game plan, what they have practiced, and what they can't get to during the game for formation, boundary, field, all of these different factors that go into what you call. Uh, But for the most part, Jim, it was inside zone. It was just base offense where Penn State ran and executed things better against Maryland than they did against a couple of other teams. And Catron Allen had his best game of the year where he was physical through contact, broke six tackles, according to PFF, had 65 yards after contact. And as as we said here on the YouTube channel, uh, it was going to be a slog. It was going to be a grinded out game. It was going to be a Catron Allen game. And he delivered to a level that we have not seen uh, so far this year, which is a great sign going into a game that Jim, I don't know if you know this, Michigan's good at defense. They, huh. they're, they're, they're pretty good up front. For, so it's going to be another one of those this week. And so Catron Allen's going to be big again this week. They're going to get good blocks. They're going to get some bad blocks. They're going to get beat. But in all of that, the running back is going to have to elevate a little bit so they don't get negative yardage. I'm, I'm writing that down. Michigan is good on defense. One of the <laughs> things that, that I went back and checked on in, uh, to make sure my eyes weren't deceiving me is I had the feeling they were more open to pass the ball early on early downs on first downs, which you know is kind of one of my pet peeves. Yeah. I went back and checked and I think they threw the ball 16 times on first down with Drew mm-hmm. Aller and the percentage, I believe was like 11 for 16, 90 yards, two touchdowns. But I thought it was good that they were doing that 
on what would typically be a running down or the expectation of running down, even if it's just throwing it out to a wide receiver for a short game. I didn't go back and compare those numbers to other games, but was there more passing on running downs T Frank? Yeah, I don't, I don't particularly track those things um, because that's, you know, there's just so many things I can do in a day and getting like the formation the everything on that side. But I will say to, to your point, Part of that was screens and against a team that's going to play man coverage and that's going to play so aggressively uh, with guys in your face and little safety help. And if they're going to load the box, then that's an option in the in in the game for the quarterback. So let's go back again to talk about options. Drew Aller, I think, did a better job with options and RPOs in this game, and that's what leads into that. Very good, T. Frank. We'll pick up this conversation right after this break. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. He's T. Frank Carr. I'm Jim Galante. We're finishing up our review of what happened last week with Penn State versus Maryland. Then we'll just segue right into this coming week against Michigan and you mentioned Catron Allen and this was probably his best game of the year in fact I don't think there's much doubt that it was he was really impressive and is he now going to be the lead back and what is going on with Nick Singleton who was probably the one element of this offense that wasn't clicking yeah I don't know no. So I think the, the, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, is a great way to start a segment. Um, no, James Franklin made it very clear on Tuesday that this is not a conversation. This is not a topic that he's going to broach. Um, they'll ride the hot hand. So maybe in certain situations, Catron gets more carries, but they're going to go with a split backfield approach. Um, we saw it last year where it was week to week who the starter was and who got, uh, you know, early, 
carries in a game based on who had been better the week before. And they have just continued that so far this season. Now, Catron has been more effective overall throughout the season so far. I, I don't think that that's um, up for debate. But kind of like I was thinking about this, Jim, in the, in the way if you're looking at this from James Franklin's point of view. Uh, there's nothing that you and I here are tied to, right? We don't have anything at stake when we say Catron Allen is the lead back now, right? Um, the patience that Penn State has had with Drew Aller could pay off in a huge way this weekend if he goes out there and plays like a confident starting quarterback who has his level of skill. It's going to keep him in the game. If you give up on Nick Singleton, you are giving up on a very talented running back. And I don't think Penn State and James Franklin are willing to give up on anybody. And maybe he's not playing his best, but he's not playing poorly. Going back and looking at his runs, the specific things that he's doing, he's doing everything correct. He is he is finding the point of attack. He is getting the yards that are available. He's not generating anything above that. And if you're a coach, how do you say like, hey, hey, we need more, but you're doing a good job. And that's where the expectation of what Nick Singleton represents in our minds versus the running back that is that's the biggest disappointment is not he's playing poorly it's that he's not special and so the special is still there the physical skills are still there James Franklin has been a big believer in his guys so he's gonna get reps he's gonna get carries but uh so I I guess I from it's a non-starter of a point because I think that the problems are static and the situation isn't going to change because Penn State's going to allow him to work through it kind of like he did last year. And, you know, T. Frank, I brought that up not because that's what I'm looking for, yeah. but, you know, that's the chatter that you hear. And my next question, though, I think is the more important one, is are there things that they could do with the play calling to help Nick Singleton out? Yeah. And real quickly, I won't go into the details of it, but I remember that several years ago when, ironically, against Michigan, Saquon Barkley, opening play from scrimmage, takes it the distance, and they really did some special things with the offensive line with their blocking setup that really, they schemed that initial yeah. hole, and then you give Saquon Barkley. And I'm wondering, are there things that the play calling could do that could help Nick Singleton out? Yes, yes. They There are certain things that they have done in the past that they're not doing right now. One of them is just, as as we've talked about here on, on the show, Bretton Strange last year was very good in a couple specific blocking schemes, and that's where Nick got some big runs, and that confidence started. They're not good with counter right now, which is a specific blocking scheme that he is is good at, you know, following pulling linemen. Everyone wants to say, get him out into space, let him run outside. They tried that last year early, just let him be athlete, and it's too predictable. So when you're talking about the health of the offense overall, and I think Jay Wansider has talked about this, if they need to be able to run like for like. Because if you put Nick in the game and you say, okay, we're going we're gonna to pitch the ball to him and we're going to go outside and we're going to put him in those positions, everyone's going to see it coming. And that's going to be predictable. So they need to have it just kind of like the quarterbacks in the conversation of how to tailor the offense. You need to have enough that both guys can do well, that they have overlapping skills and the defense can't predict what's going to happen. Also, Nick got some big runs on base offense plays last year. Like that's, that's also a fact that 
a little bit of luck, a little bit of uh, situations playing certain teams, maybe that he was able to get that confidence early. Again, talking about Dante Cephas, some of the players that aren't playing with confidence right now, it seems like just that one little spark could change everything, but you don't want to change the whole offense for one player who's struggling because if it doesn't work, then you're putting everyone else in, in a bad situation. So it's never as easy as do this and then it's fine. There's always unintended consequences. So I, I think being in Katron's wheelhouse, you can do a lot of different stuff, but you don't want to do ultra specific things just for Singleton. All right. Got it. All right. Let's shift gears. Let's start talking about this Michigan team. I know you've had some opportunity to watch them. My quick overview of Michigan is they've always been good up front on their lines. They have a good defense, good offensive line. For years, they would grind you out. But the difference this last couple of years is J.J. McCarthy, they now have a good quarterback also to go along with everything else. You tell me what you've seen on tape so far from this Michigan offense and and defense. I think Penn State fans need to get into the level of comfort of hearing J.J. McCarthy as a first-round quarterback. Uh, he's got some special skills. And some of the things he does, the confidence. You know, I, I joke about, I've, I've talked about the athletic hubris I'd like to see from Drew Aller. I, I, I was reminded of that when I was watching <laughs> when I was watching J.J. McCarthy early in the year because that dude will put the ball in any window and, and like, does not care, has blocked... I want to say blind confidence, but a lot of confidence in what he can do with the football and that level of that, just that alone, along with good processing and good eyes. I think Drew Aller is the better mental processor. Um, and it's just getting him up to that level of, of being able to play uh, quarterback at, at, at that level of uh, proficiency and execution, because McCarthy is accurate. He may, he puts the ball exactly where he needs to. And this offense generates some wide open receivers on top of that his threat as a runner is going to be a a it's going to be a wild card variable that Penn State has to account for because you can stop the run, you can be in position for everything else, but if he is able to break the pocket or if in a read option situation you don't have a good enough athlete on him, he's going to rip off a big run. They force you into some tough situations where you're either in one-on-one -on -one in space like Penn State did against um against Maryland or they force you to um, account for too many things. And that's, you're right, that is the variable that has changed for Michigan, where before, in, let's say 2019, it was, we're going to run the ball because that's the masculine thing to do, and that's the correct, by definition of God and, and Bo Schembechler. Um, and now they're doing it in a smart way with a quarterback that is dangerous. I don't know what else has changed since then, but there's also uh, that, which is a reality that you can't you can't mitigate the fact that J.J. McCarthy is playing at a, at, at a high, high level. Got and to tell you how high a level, I looked it up. His completion percentage is seven, 76%, almost 260 yards a game, uh, uh, throwing the ball. So he's definitely uh, makes a difference. My question, you called McCarthy a, a first-round draft pick. So obviously there's quality there at quarterback. Mm -hmm. Overall, though, in looking at their schedule, I think Rutgers might be their best win this year. How they are blowing out everybody that's been put in front right. of them. But how much can we glean from that having not seen them tested at all? Um, 
So uh, just to to clean to go back to the McCarthy thing, he has the arm talent and the natural fluid motion. Sorry, fluid motion in his his mechanics plus the size and the speed. It's a tools based thing, and he's played well enough that it's now a reality. So like the NFL draft is is different than just like is he a great quarterback? Has he played anybody? Like you said, you can only play who's on your schedule. And if you're dominating the, the teams that are on your schedule, you've done your job. Um, let's talk about their defense in this situation. I was watching some of the Purdue highlights. And when you have when you have the defensive line collapsing, and I mean knocking players over uh, on the defensive side and offensive linemen are falling over, <laughs> it's, pr- it's pretty dominant. Like that level of physicality, aggression, speed, and violence. Matt Rule earlier this year said uh, that's like an NFL team when you watch them on film. And I get what he means now that I've watched them on film. Their level of confidence in their assignment, their intensity of focus, the athleticism, and just, you know, the overall execution, it is at a different level than what most college teams are able to do. So I think that is a... I think that's a fair assessment of it doesn't matter that they've played those guys. The way that they've done it, has been a way that has put fear and intimidation into their future opponents. So that puts a lot on this Penn State offensive line. Yeah. When I watch Penn State's offensive line and there's a breakdown, it often seems like there's a mistake. A stunt is being run by the defense and they don't pick somebody up more often than just physically getting overwhelmed. Yeah. What should we expect from Penn State's offensive line against this NFL caliber defensive line uh, that your mistakes are going to be magnified. This is a, this is a team that plays without hesitation for whatever reason they're able to uh, attack gaps and players. And if you have bad technique or you make a mental mistake, it's going to, it's not, you're not going to get away with it. And the, the player doesn't see it or they don't react in time. And therefore you get a two yard gain or a no yard gain, or you avoid a big mistake. They're going to, at least from what I've seen on film so far, they are going to shred all of your mistakes and play without with with a relentless style that is going to get negative plays. So Penn State has to be as good as they've been all year up front, and they have to make as few mistakes as possible. And then I've seen this defense also make some mistakes. They've been out of gap. They've been beaten physically. So it's not that this is a team that is infallible. But when you play a college level of discipline and understanding, you're going to get the results you get. Very good, T. Frank. All right. When we get back in the fourth quarter, I'm going to have you game plan for Penn State. I know you always love this when I make you the coordinator on, on the Penn State team. But before we get to that, we've got quarter three. That means we've got your questions. We're going to ask T. Frank. And remember, if you want your question answered by T. Frank, it's really easy. All you got to do is download our app. That's Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask T. Frank and Ask Andy button. And there you go. Coming up, T. Frank answers your questions. And I got a feeling there's going to be a couple about sign stealing. I hope you're ready for that, T. Frank. 
Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. He's T. Frank. I'm Jim. It's quarter three, as I said, which means it's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions for T. Frank. He gives the absolute positively perfect answers to each one of them and at the end he will pick out the best question whoever sent it to us will win the prize pack from 409 tailgateclub.com and if you want to send a question of t frank just download our app keystone sports you'll see the ask t frank and ask andy button and you can send in your questions are you ready t frank sure Let's okay, this this one, well, let's start from our good friend Steve from Columbia, PA, who says, T. Frank and Jim, after the Knits got spanked last season by the team we played this Saturday, it was said by many Penn State was outcoached, including many on this pod. Well, based on recent allegations against that team, perhaps we now know why. Does Penn State have the ability to significantly change their signals in the few weeks since the allegations against that stinking team have come to light for the game Saturday against those allegedly, but really, cheating SOBs? Was there a question there? <laughs> yeah. He, did Do they, they have, have a chance time to change, to change their signals? signals? Uh, yeah, so they've gone with a wristband system from what I can tell. So that they're not, they're still signaling from the sideline, but there's, I, there might be redundancies. This is the, this is the whole point is like, we're not supposed to know what is the signal. What isn't the signal? I can't from what I do and what I see, I, I, that's the point is I won't know. I'm not in, in person scouting their signals. Um, so yes, I imagine James Franklin, the, one of the most prepared people, uh, in all of college sports has had a plan, and it's not like just because we know about it, Jim, that uh, this is when Penn State learned about it. They've, based on the whole story, everyone's known about this for a while, and this has just finally come to a head now. So Penn State, in all of these situations, 
probably has been trying to fight against this and it's just there's only so much you can do and here's the thing is like at what point are we going from this is uh, alleged to fact when earlier this week uh i think the big 10 on monday served notice to michigan that they they might face disciplinary action connor stallings has been uh relieved of his duties stepped down however you want to uh call it so like there's a lot of smoke here so I don't even know it. I don't even know how to specifically talk about this in a responsible journalistic way of alleged versus fact. When does this all turn into fact? Because it feels like there's a lot of facts here. Um, I haven't been. I cover Penn State football. I have not been up on all of this stuff. So that's I, I don't really have a good answer for you. But the bottom line is, yes, Penn State will have a plan about how uh, they want to put their signals into the game. Uh, and, and most likely they've changed that since then. I'm going to jump around a little bit on the questions from how I uh, expected to go. But here was interesting follow-up to that. And this is Edward from Montgomeryville who says, I always see multiple guys on the sideline sending in plays. I assumed one was the actual play and the others were bogus signals. Wouldn't it be pretty easy to just change up which one is sending in the live signals, T. Frank? We're, we're just so you know, we're so far out of my depth of comfort of giving you a fact of information that I if I say something wrong here, I apologize. But this is obviously really important. So first thing is a lot of teams, I think, handle this differently where you can have I, I heard on one broadcast, you can have up to like 11 people go putting signs into the to the game. The the the, the idea there is the receivers and uh, have a different signal than the offensive line and running backs for the quarterback because the quarterback can give that information directly to the offensive line. You can't get it to the tight ends and receivers all the time. So they're signaling in different parts of the play. It's not just one person. So that's one level of it. The second level of it is you only have so much time to practice your offense, let alone change up the signals and have everyone be on the same page. Dante Cephas is a perfect example. If you're If you're mentally like, hey, I need to know what the play is, and you're struggling to, okay, I got the play down. Now what's the signal? We've changed it. What am I supposed to be doing on this play? What is the play? I missed it. I don't know the signal this week as as well as I should. It's like being, I always say, it's like being on stage and not knowing your lines. And you can't make it up in football. Like you can't because every every 111th is, is very important. So that's the stress of this, of going through extra preparation so that everyone knows the signals, everyone knows to ignore the dummy signals. We've changed it this week, and that's that's the problem. That's sign-stealing in-game of trying to notice a pattern and a trend is legal. When you have advanced information about it and you can start the game knowing the signals, that's part of the conversation as well about why this is illegal and why this is unfair practices. So that's the two levels of this. And that's why the signals and, and all the changing of it, from what I understand, which is not the same level of the stuff that I do understand normally, that's the difference here. Well, I learned something from what you said, T. Frank. I just assumed the multiple, just like Edward did, that some of these guys were putting in false bogus signals. They you are, know, There's for the sure. green guy, the red guy, the purple guy okay, we know it's the red guy or the authentic signals and the other two we're just ignoring. But it sounded like yeah. you were saying different guys may be signaling to different players different things. So that yeah. that's a different level of sophistication uh, we have going on. All right, let's go to Sammy and Tyrone who says, T. Frank, we keep hearing about throwing deep more often to loosen up the defense. 
What about the intermediate pass of, say, 15 to 20 yards downfield, especially using the tight end? Sometimes I feel like Penn State doesn't do that often enough, more so than throwing deep. Yeah, so throwing deep is a general term that means everything and nothing. Sammy, I agree with you. You don't have to throw a nine route, your go route, a straight 40 yards down the field to throw a deep football. Challenging the intermediate zones of a defense makes the second level nervous, right? So it makes the linebackers have to sink deeper into their drops and not be as aggressive in in run in run in their run gaps. Because remember, the defense doesn't know if it's a run or pass before the play unless they have some unfair advantage. So you have an understanding of how to attack the defense and what you want to do on those plays. I think that's been a big change for Drew Aller and this offense is they he's been able to find those intermediate 15-yard throws. Also, depending on who you talk to, a deep throw is 15 yards uh, or 20. It, you know, analytics, there are different standards for what you consider a deep pass. James Franklin laid it out that I think he says a, a throw of a completion of 15 yards or more for them is an explosive play. So if you get one of those chunk plays to the tight ends over the middle, I, I had a whole week where I talked about that. I wrote about that for the Blue White Illustrated magazine for November. Like that's a significant change from Drew Aller in the Indiana game moving forward. And that's going to be a big thing this weekend is, is he willing to and able to challenge some of those intermediate zones from Michigan who runs a pretty standard quality defense that does a lot of different things well. So he's got to diagnose and attack and it doesn't always have to be the deep shot, which the defense is trying to take away. 90% of the time. And I'm also in agreement with this premise. And I think part of my feeling that way is Drew Aller has the arm talent to put the ball in those places where someone who may not have that kind of arm strength, it's a little bit dangerous sometimes, those passes over the middle, having that ability to put a little more zip on the ball. Drew Aller definitely has that. Let's go to Henry in York, who says, T. Frank, you talked earlier in the year about uh, Nick Singleton sticking with the cl play call versus uh, trying to bounce things and perhaps getting a big play. Are you still seeing that from Singleton? Yeah, yeah. So this is what I was saying in, in quarter number, number one. And what I've said on my film rooms and, and on the BWI live show is at a certain point, it's an unproductive conversation because it's static. And that's exactly that's exactly the thing is he is continuing to run the ball the correct way, meaning finding the point of attack that's intended by his blockers, instead of here's a problem, I'm going to bounce. Now, in, in zone blocking, there isn't necessarily a single point of attack. You have to read the defense and find the opening. He is, he is good at that. Like He is getting genuinely good at that. The next step for him is not only running through those things, but then breaking the tackles that come from that. And that is, a, that is an area where I think the... There, there's a there's a nuanced conversation about the level of moves, running back moves that Nick has and what he will do with the ball in the hole, stiff arm, et cetera, jump cut, spin move, whatever, to be unpredictable. I feel like it's pretty predictable where his legs are going to be, and therefore he can't get low enough to run through that contact because guys can just dive at his legs and, and it brings him down. So that is, that's the whole problem in a nutshell. He's a good runner with good vision now, but those areas in the middle of the field, he's not getting those broken tackles to generate the extra yards after contact, let alone 
an explosive play. And I think, though, when we see him return that kickoff uh, late in the game against Maryland the way we did, you still look at this guy and say he's explosive. If he does get the opportunity, a big play is still still out there. All right, yep. I'm going to go back to um, Steve in Columbia with a, follow- a question that he had because I think a lot of people get curious about this. What he says is, T. Frank, why is almost every question by each reporter in a James, press, James Franklin press conference starts with, hey, James, how you doing? Wouldn't the answer be the same the third, fifth, or twelfth time they uh, they ask as yeah. the first time? Unless it looks yeah. discernibly like something is wrong with them. There is so a reason why this happens, though, right, T. Frank? Yes, this is a decade of programming. Early in James Franklin's career, in order to, I think, break down some psychological barriers to ask questions in a certain way, he would not answer your question. He would literally say, hi, Donnie. Donnie Collins is on Zoom or would be on the phone call in. He would say, hi, Donnie, 17 times until Donnie said hi back. It was hard to sit through. It was brutal. So everyone adapted. And if you don't say hello to James, he... It's a thing. He's gotten lax about it. So you can ask a question and not say hi, but there is a certain level of, I don't want to be caught in that feedback loop ever again, because we're all like, all these things are public, right? Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. I put up the full press conference every week. Thousands of people watch it every week. You don't want to be the guy that is getting the high Donnie treatment. So that is why everyone says hello to James first. And you know what? I think a lot of this goes back to James Franklin. I think he was a psych major in college. He jokes about it, but that's absolutely correct. Because I thought long and hard about why he would do that. And it it humanizes him. It creates that, that level of, I'm a person, not a thing you're asking the question to. Just that's my observation of that. And I think it's, you know... It's partly process and partly brilliant, you know, that uh, I don't know that it's it's changed the way that you ask a question of James Franklin for sure. But I think you hit it exactly. It humanizes him. Treat him like a human. You'll be less likely to be brutal. Plus, it just takes an additional few seconds. Maybe that saves him a question or two at ding, the end. Ding, <laughs> All right. That's it for quarter three. Stick around quarter four. T. Frank will name a winner. Stay tuned. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, 
local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. We're going to continue talking about this Penn State-Michigan matchup coming up this weekend. But before we do, we've got to take care of some business from quarter three and ask T. Frank, we need a winner. Yeah, Sammy and Tyrone did a great job, uh, I think, understanding the difference and some of the nuance in the deep ball conversation that's productive rather than the joke we've all gotten to, which is chuck it deep. And and I I like, you know, it's fun. I think it's it's a it's a it's a fun conversation to have. At a certain point, the forty thousandth person who said the joke, it's not funny anymore. Like we've beaten it to death. But you know the truth in there, and you know I'm obsessed with the 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 nerdy side of football, and I'm going to be like blind to the joke. Like that's that's a great conversation to have in that context. So I think Sammy uh, understood the assignment of the question, and is our winner today. Very good, Sammy. We'll be getting in touch. And what I think uh, you call yourself nudie, nerdy. Definitely not nudie. (laughs) But I I think it's nuance. And that's why I kind of merged the two words there. That was my problem. You are the king of nuance, T. Frank. And I appreciate that. And I was glad that Sammy brought up this question because in the offense, it's uh, it's not all or nothing. It isn't a check yeah. down to the running back behind the line of scrimmage versus chucking it 40 yards down the field. There's a lot of field in between, which segues into, okay, you've now seen this Michigan defense. You've talked about it a bit. Obviously, you've been watching Penn State all year. I'm going to yeah. put you in Mike Yersich's shoes. You're game planning for Michigan. You're the one whispering in Drew Aller's ear. What are we talking about to attack this Michigan defense? Yeah, so could you want... I don't have specifics uh, because I, I haven't delved into this enough. Just fully, full, full transparency. By Friday, I feel like I have a good plan of, like Maryland, looking at how many screens they throw, how it's going to be important. When I make <laughs> we talk early in the week, I just haven't I'm still processing the week before. So I, I don't have like the the detail I will have later in the week. But generally, I think that it's going to be tough to run the ball. So the ball is going to be in Drew Aller's hands more than Penn State wants. So that's why I think it's just so important that he plays the way he played last week, which is with confidence and with conviction. And if he does that, I don't I'm not worried that Drew Aller is going to throw a a bad interception where he doesn't read the coverage, right? There's one thing I know about drew. He's not going to take the cheese. He hasn't all year. There's always the case that he could, but the overwhelming evidence is he knows what to do. So you can't come into this game thinking the quarterback can't lose us this game. The mentality has to be, we need to win this football game. And the way they win is with a complete effort led by the quarterback, the running backs. If they can, if they can do it on the ground, that's great. Absolutely. Go with that. 
But the, the reality is Michigan is designed to take away the run. The size of their defensive tackles, the aggressiveness of their linebackers, the physicality they play with up front is designed to mitigate your rushing attack. So Penn State's three-yard runs might be two. Their six-yard runs might be three. Are you going to stay on schedule, and can your quarterback mitigate some of those things? Drew Aller has to make great decisions pre- and post-snap, and he has to find the receivers that are open based on the coverage that he's given. He's going to be under pressure. They're going to throw things at him. But I'm confident if he plays confident, that's the point of Drew Aller. That's the point of the five-star arm talent is he can find those guys and make critical plays. You don't want, as James Franklin said, you don't want everything on his shoulders all game because very few quarterbacks can manage that and can win that way. But kind of like last week where the running game was supplemental in in a certain nature where the, the passing game, the cover zero plays, they were able to get explosive plays through the passing game and it, it put Maryland in a no-win situation from a run game perspective. They have to take some of the heat off the run game somehow. And Drew Aller is more times than not the somehow. And I'm glad you put it that way because I do think uh, it's not the plays that they call, but when they call them. And I think giving Drew Aller the ability to throw the ball when the defense is looking run, it takes some of the pressure off the running game. Um, Let's talk about the other side of the ball a little bit. A year ago... Michigan just gashed Penn State. And in the immediate press conference afterwards, James Franklin said about get, they need to get bigger and stronger, which I think if he had the chance to take that comment back, I think he would. And I disagree. I don't think so. You because don't think he'd like, take to, that to, back? To fast forward to the point of the, the where I think we're going to get to is the defensive tackles did get bigger. They heard Hakeem Beeman said he took that personal in a good way and he put in the work this offseason to be the guy he is now. So, yes, um, at a certain point, it's that's that's why I made the joke I did on Monday when we had the conversation in James Franklin's press conference. And there's a thousand questions about the run game. Are you bigger? Are you stronger? Have you got the t- the, the evidence is on film for nine weeks now that they have been bigger, stronger, and more athletic. Is it big enough and strong enough for Michigan? I I don't know, but it is the biggest, strongest, and most physical they can be. And that, I think, is the important thing that James Franklin was trying to say, is maximize your ability, and then we'll find out. They have absolutely maximized their ability from a positional standpoint of strength and size, and they're hitting their marks in the defense with the athleticism they play with. So he got what he wanted out of the situation. In general, but I'm going to, I was using that T Frank as a segue to what you said after this game, which was, it wasn't necessarily that they got run over, but that Michigan very much fooled the Penn state defense that they zigged when you expected them to zag. And I thought there was a bit of a change from James Franklin with his tone, where he talked more about gap integrity. Yes. So. Laying that framework, T. Frank, how has Penn State been with that gap integrity? And also, how will um, Manny Diaz attack what they saw a year ago from Michigan? So that's the part I, behind the curtain. Every like I multiple times people have asked me, 
T. Frank, go back to 2022, please, and break down that game and where the areas where Penn, Michigan could have known what Penn State is doing, um, you know, on offense or defense. And if there's one area where I would say, how did they know Penn State was going to overload a certain side of the of the offensive line and they ran the other way? That's the one area just off the top of my head in this conversation, I could say that felt suspicious because it was something that they hadn't done all year. Now you can also say they game plan specifically for Penn state and they saw that on film and took advantage of it. That's absolutely fair that they had a good game plan and they out coached Penn state. There's a certain element of that, but it, that was what was curious is Penn state was getting better at gap integrity. And suddenly they're completely out gapped completely like two gaps open on the side that they're running. And by the end of the game, yeah, then the size and physicality, you've got Jonathan Sutherland trying to plug the B gap against a 200 or 315 pound offensive lineman at the second level. And Donovan Edwards or Blake Corm or whoever it was runs for a 60 yard touchdown. So it, it was a blend of both things. And Penn state is bigger this year. Curtis Jacobs is going to play the Sam. They've got Kobe King and uh, Abdul Carter out there. They've got more size this year. Um, the defensive tackles are bigger too. They're more experienced. They're not making mistakes in terms of run defense from the linebacker perspective where you've got guys trying to make plays. So it's a, it's a comprehensive improvement. It is, they are absolutely better at getting their gaps. They're absolutely better at um, executing Manny Diaz's scheme correctly. The offense can make you wrong by you're in the right spot and suddenly they do something where they push you out of that gap. That could happen this week. They could have poor gap integrity. But from what I've seen, it's clear. Like I said earlier, before I jumped the, the gun and and uh, and uh, anticipated your question incorrectly, because I didn't have the sign, by the way. Uh, I didn't have the rundown of what exactly you were going to ask me. Um, they, they have gotten better at discipline, and it's all on film that they're a better defense up front than they have been last year or the first two games of the season where I thought they were trying to make too many plays individually and they're playing as a collective uh, in this game. At least from the defensive standpoint, is the key to this game, and I like the way James Franklin shapes this. He says the defense has to earn the right to put in their third and long packages. Is yeah. this game going to turn on? Can the Penn State defense hold uh, Michigan down first and second down running the ball? so that they put J.J. McCarthy in those third and long situations. Yeah, I mean, James Franklin spelled it out during his press conference. They haven't been put off schedule, and they haven't put been put behind at any point this year. They have controlled the flow of the game in every single game. They haven't been, there has been no team that has challenged them, and that's why I go back to what I said about Drew Aller is starting fast and being competent and confident and believing in your total offense being able to do what you need to do in the moment. Penn State needs to run the football so that it's not all on Drew. But if they can get seven points, it's not going to force Michigan completely off schedule, but it is not going to allow them to do what they do, which is they don't score 37 points in the first half. It'll be 10-17 at halftime, and suddenly in the second half, they come out and they, they're able to snowball teams. So Ohio State's playing that way this year. Penn State has played that way this year. Michigan has played that way this year. So if you can break that trend and be one of the teams that does get out to a fast start and puts the pressure on the other team, yes, absolutely. I do not believe that they will ever get away from the run and they'll be consistent in that even if they're down 21 points, even that at halftime. But at a certain point, they will have to stop doing that 
for game pressure. And if you're in that position as Penn State, you do have the advantage. This defense is built to take uh, to play from the lead. Absolutely. So getting them off schedule helps with that. Stopping them on first and second down, getting them out of the obvious run the ball situations is going to be critical. Um, but I do think J.J. McCarthy and Roman Wilson and that offense are good enough that you can't just say it's third and seven. This is an automatic win for Penn State. Penn State's going to have to. There's still going to be some plays kind of like with Marvin Harrison Jr. where it's third down and they get it anyway. Um, it's not going to be a lights out game for the Penn State defense where they snowball Maryland in all these third and long situations. So it's it's going to James Franklin said it's going to be a fourth four quarter battle if they're going to win the game. I firmly think that's correct. Um, how you go about getting there is the, really the story. How you go about getting Michigan, taking them into deep water. Okay, T. Frank, you left yourself 30 seconds. You know where we're headed. It's a four and a half yeah. point spread on this game. I need your prediction. I haven't thought about this. this is the first time I've thought about this. I have not thought about this whatsoever. So you're getting a blind comparison. So I think this one is going to be 27-24 Michigan. I, I I think Michigan is a little overwhelming, but Penn State's going to play a good game at home. Um, Penn State can win this game, but the clear and decided talent advantage, play advantage so far this season has been for the Wolverines. So I would say they win field goal, close game, heartbreaker again for Penn State fans. Sorry. All right. Very good, T. Frank. There's the prediction. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right. Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.